Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Welcome to episode 52 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast, giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, I make disgusting films that your mum would hate. And joining us tonight, they are the co-directors of Top Not Detective. Yay! It's Aaron Hello. McCann, or Aaron McCann, Hello. and Dominic Pierce. Hello. You already Hello. fucked up his name and already he just told fucked you how up. to pronounce it. Already. <laughs> So easy. Just Aaron. <laughs> Aaron right. McCann and Dominic yeah. Pierce. Guys, hello. <laughs> thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. No worries. No, thanks for having us no on. No worries. This is the first time we've had two guests at the same time, so this uh, this should be interesting. The more the merrier. So we, uh, Aaron and I are used to talking over each other as it's fun. So guys, meet the feebles. Why this film? Yes. Yeah. I was a little bit shocked that it was a possible contender for In Defense of, because I love this movie. <laughs> I think Meet Feebles is fantastic. I didn't realize it required defending. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I've known this film since I was super young, and, and it was uh, an accidental discovery when I was I was a very young boy. This is like, like the second Peter Jackson film I is, think I saw. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, I just, I just always loved it when I saw it as a kid. I was like, hey, cool, something with puppets. Oh, wow. <laughs> This is, this is quite dark. Um, it's, just, it's just always kind of stuck around ever since. I love Peter. I love Peter Jackson's early works. Like they're they're they're, they're like they're so dark and weird and funny. Yeah, especially the yeah the early stuff, which even kind of like led on to when we were making a film. Like we really took Forgotten Silver, which yeah. is one of his weird like crazy mockumentary films. And it, yeah, it was just they're all crazy. Like <laughs> the first few films he made were just like off the wall. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I, I think I saw this for the first time. Well after I saw Bad Taste and Brain Dead. In mm. fact, I probably saw this after I saw The Frighteners. Um, yeah, right. So I saw it fairly, fairly late in the game in terms of the stuff he was putting out. Um, I saw this for the first time yesterday, so a little bit later. <laughs> oh, wow. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, in flesh. I think I still have an old VHS of it lying around my house somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's it because it's only, it's only it's only about to get a re-release on Blu-ray, right? It's kind of yeah. it's been lost to DVD or VHS pretty much for years. Yeah, it's a very very bad transfer. Yeah, certainly the DVD I've got. Um, I wouldn't say it was uh, packed with extras. I think it literally has a play <laughs> button um, when you when yes at the opening menu, and that's about it. Is it one of those DVDs where the special feature is chapter selection? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes, it was definitely one of them. <laughs> I had to find the making of like online on YouTube somewhere. Yeah, it does exist on YouTube. I think it's an old TV like an old New Zealand TV special or something. Um, but yeah, it's actually a really fascinating look into the into the behind the scenes making of the film. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Right, guys, I know that um, you've heard the show before, so you might know what's coming next. Um, I think that the cleanest way to do this would be that if you uh, nominate one amongst yourselves to do it, yeah, we, we, have we, we have prepared. Oh well, this should be interesting. <laughs> okay, I was going to explain, but evidently you've uh, you've got this. Oh no, I've, I've, I've listened to the show. I, I know the thirty second pitch. Oh right, okay, fair enough. Okay, okay. in that case, uh, you you get to go. 
Adapted from the best-selling novel, The Feeble Variety Massacre, One Man's Act of Heroism, Peter Jackson's Meet the Feebles vividly takes us behind the curtain and into the dark underbelly of New Zealand's entertainment industry. The cast and crew wrestle with the desires and fears amidst a backdrop of lust, greed, drugs, sexual abuse, and organized crime. It's the Muppet Show for people who think the world is a horrible place. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah, 10 seconds left. Brilliant. Yeah, that probably catapults you into the top into the top ten there. I would say, yeah, top twenty percent for sure. Right. So let's jump into this thing. So um, yeah, going into this from my perspective, knowing very little about it apart from the fact that it was a fairly bad taste film with puppets. Um, the start pretty bombastic. Yeah, you were you were pretty into it to begin with. Yeah, the opening musical number. Uh, I also didn't know it was a musical. Great. <laughs> 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 So yeah, I was, blind, I was blindsided in a lot of ways. Crash introduced to a lot of characters. Yeah, there's, yeah. Like, there's like over a hundred characters in the whole film, or something like that. Yeah, it was. It was uh, recently watching it back. I'm just amazed about how many different storylines you kind of follow all the way through, and you kind of track everything. <laughs> but I'm hesitant to say who the actual main character of the film is because everyone kind of has their own thing. Like certainly the hippo and the hedgehog kind of take. But then Roger, Roger has a great kind of like yeah play in there as well. Um, and Belch's storyline is so fascinating. So yeah, there's just it's just. Yeah, you, you meet this whole myriad of characters real quick and you jump around them so quickly all the way through the film. Um, yeah, I was genuinely like, um, for, for a lot of it, I was sitting with my notepad on one knee kind of like feverishly scribbling with um, the Wikipedia cast uh, thing open <laughs> with like a list of all the names because it matched all the names to the animals. And at one point I was trying to keep all those kind of plates spinning at the same time. And at one point I was like, you know what, fuck it, genuinely, what are the three stories I really have to focus on? <laughs> but that's kind of, sort of the beauty of the film is that there are no kind of like yeah. discernible actors throughout it it is very much like let's just follow these characters this this puppet show and it is kind of like yeah like watching a, a very very grindhouse version of the muppet show yeah but yeah yeah like yeah i just yeah i don't know who the main character is no and i don't i don't think that there's anything in the opening number that would give you any clues to who that would be either because like the first because my first instinct would have been harry harry who's a yeah. who's a rabbit um <laughs> yeah. yeah harry and uh, harry and heidi are certainly painted i would say as the your, your main characters from the opening number yeah but they are kind of like they're, they're the main characters in their own little narrative and then once you're introduced to everyone else they kind of have their own little things that all tie up at the end yeah There's so many little intersecting stories all the way throughout it sorry harry sorry harry the hair so he's funny because he actually disappears for a bit i feel like the two main introductions you get are the hippo and the little hedgehog dude who rocks up yeah yeah um, and I, <laughs> I, love, I love the film that said i keep forgetting all the characters names right now because there's so many but the guy with the lisp anyway he rocks up yeah Roger. Yeah, Roger. Sorry, Robert. Roger. Yeah, sorry, Ronald. 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 Robert. 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 Right. Ah, see, it's the what? Yeah, throw me. <laughs> anyway, so he kind of gets like a big setup when he rocks up. So you kind of get the inkling he's the main character, but like he still ends up kind of being part of a bigger supporting cast all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Really disgusting fly guy as well, and the whole paparazzi narrative that runs throughout. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should maybe bullet the main players that you get kind of early on. So you've got Harry the Rabbit, who, like you say, he seems like the host, kind of the Kermit character, if you like. But yeah, he does kind of take kind of an extended break from the narrative pretty much straight away. He disappears off in his carrot rocket and is gone for (laughs) like a a pretty long amount of time. Um, I would say Heidi the Hippo, again, if you were doing a Muppets comparator, it would be like the Miss Piggy character. Sure, yeah. Totally. And yeah, yeah, uh, Robert the Hedgehog, I think, (laughs) is um, a crucial one. I think that if anything, when he turns up kind of like... uh, with his suitcase and his tie and being all polite <laughs> in English. Um, if he, he reminded me more of less of a Muppet and more like Paddington Bear or something. That's 
right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, because he, he, he has the heart of gold all the way through this film. Like, he tries to kind of do the right thing. Yeah, he's the moral center to the, to the point that uh, he is horrified to catch uh, Lucille, his beloved, drinking champagne. I think he breaks he, up with her. He's so conservative. <laughs> he, he kind of turned into a bit of a Ross from Friends in that particular moment. He's yeah. got a one part where he lost me. You know, like, how dare you? How I'm gonna judge you? It's, it's a bit emotionally underhanded, man. Just wind that shit back. It's not yeah, cool. That's fair. Um, it comes right in. Also, at the end of the opening musical number, another important character that we do get introduced to is um, Trevor the Rat. Yeah, uh, mm. porn direct. Uh, adult, uh, yeah, adult film author. Impresario. Yeah. <laughs> I know. He only does one take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he's. I think he was one of the dogma filmmakers. Yeah, he's utterly reprehensible throughout. He has. Uh, he's irredeemable, and his character arc extends no further than just being completely horrible to people until his death. Yeah, pretty much. That is his his total trajectory. Yeah, just underworld. Yeah, he's like, and he's it, just a rat, like a scummy. Yeah, he's like a bad Tarantino character. Yeah. In 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 the cast. He actually strikes a, uh, a scary resemblance to a beloved kids icon here in Australia called Rattus the Rat. I actually found watching it again. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the show, The, the Ferals, but it was a popular puppet show here in the 90s. But yeah, he looks he looks weirdly like Rattus the Rat. Well, in my, uh, in my, I'll say, limited research to do this episode, we uh, I found that uh, The Ferals was in fact quoted as being directly influenced by Meet the Feebles. No shit. Well, yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. That's awesome. It's a very toned down version because yeah. <laughs> like the Ferals was definitely a children's show. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, we were, we kind of were introduced to Trevor because he kind of uh, really savagely berates Heidi, who um, takes off running. She tries to uh, go to talk to Bletch. Bletch, the Her, who's a walrus. Yeah, walrus manager, lover, all things to all puppets. <laughs> Yeah, they and this is in the first of kind of many improbable sentences that I didn't think I would ever have to write down in my life. I wrote, Heidi Flees tries to uh, go to her dressing room where a walrus called Bletch is shagging a cat called Samantha. Yeah. <laughs> a, very sm- a very, very small cat wearing extremely sexy lingerie. Yes, it is. It's, it's so exploitation ridiculous. Uh, I, 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 do love, I do love the weird mix of inconsistencies and scientifically accurate shapes for the animals. Like you've got the strange yeah. human-sized bulldog, but then the cat is too scale to the walrus, I, I guess specifically for the comedic impact of the sex scene yeah but has um, a full yeah. set of breasts yeah i know <laughs> it's so it's so ridiculous <laughs> i don't want i don't want to ponder uh the physics or the biology of this encounter i think it's worth mentioning that some of the the characters heidi bletch barry and uh the one lone scottish character that we'll find later in cedric oh yeah are men <laughs> are men in costume or people in costumes they are not necessarily puppets um which i think yeah i really like it adds a yeah. weird surreality to it when you see them out in the world like on the golf course or out jogging yeah kind of like an early precursor to bojack horseman in a lot of ways yeah. like with the, the sad depressed lies of anthropomorphic show animals <laughs> plus they recorded all of the they recorded all of the audio first they recorded for like three days as like a radio play right. and they were playing back everything on set so even the actors in suits 
They just they had the audio looped and ready to go. Well, that's cool. That's it. That's interesting. Yeah. We are conservatively at the seven minute mark in this film at this point, and we get, <laughs> and um, we have been introduced to Robert arriving. We've also got the fact that they are performing a kind of uh, Feebles Variety Hour that goes live in twelve hours from now, uh, helmed by the eccentric uh, Fox Sebastian, um, <laughs> and also, and also um, an apparent kind of love triangle or kind of a deceptive love story between Bletch, Heidi, and Samantha the Cat. Um, <laughs> normally, I take six pages of notes on average for a film that lasts maybe an hour and 45 to two hours. I took 10 for this. <laughs> wow. You also meet Buzz here, uh, who's the paparazzi guy and a fly, and he kind of points Robert in the direction of the stage manager. Robert's come to work uh, on the Feeble show. I think he's just coming to work as a background artist. Um, and he's sent to certainly to meet Arthur, who is the Cockney stage manager and Worm, who yeah. kind of intros Robert to the rest of the cast, really. And uh, just in case there weren't enough plot strands being introduced at this point, Robert falls in love with um, sexy poodle Lucille. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Like the first time he sees her, he's just like, absolutely, that's it. That's the love of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Robert seems that kind of guy. He is he's definitely that kind of guy. It's got, it's got to take it all of these classic storylines from all of these old, like, like old nineteen forties, like, want to be a star kind of like like different movies and just smush them all together. Like, oh yeah, it's like that like classic that. sort of like noir kind of like, hey, I'm I'm new in town, I'm going to learn the ropes. Yeah. Oh, this is the worst <laughs> job. I've ever got. The future. I'm ready to sing, Mister. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that uh, when when Robert first sees Lucille, he's so overcome with emotion and so bashful about <laughs> it that he rolls up into a little ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. his little because he's a little hedgehog and hedgehogs <laughs> roll up when they get shy. <laughs> <He's got little laughs> He's got little Chuck Taylors on. Yeah, little Chuck Taylors. Yeah. Like, whatever. I had, I'd forgotten completely about that detail. So on a rewatch, <laughs> I was so happy with that as someone who pretty much wears only that shoe. <laughs> And yeah, at this point, not really too much to dwell on apart from a ragtime musical number that's helmed by a Rastafarian <laughs> frog. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'll get around. Yeah, yeah, one leg missing. Well, you never hear that character to talk. No. Like it's not like there's ever a scene where there's an incredibly rich, stereotypical uh, Jamaican accent, and he makes a bunch of jokes. He just kind of does this number and then gets shot in the head later in the film. But I know, he, he has nothing to do. Time, yeah. <laughs> Which, on the spectrum of how the racial stereotypes are handled on this film, is probably on the lighter end. Oh, <laughs> yes. oh yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, it's 1989, and it's like, yeah, there are some there's some, some questionable things all the way through. Some film. things haven't aged great. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was a, there was a moment later where Mitch just about fell off his chair, uh, which <laughs> which we'll, I'm sure we'll get to touch on. Yeah, loads of loads of shady stuff going on here. This film goes goes incredibly grimy, incredibly fast. But I think the film goes grimy the minute you meet Trevor. Yeah, and, oh, totally. And yeah. never, never lets up. Yeah, that's true. A lot, like, of, a lot of the kind of really dark, nefarious stuff near the start is kind of uh, all around him because you've got him kind of like uh, kind of being kind of really kind of leery and sleazy towards Lucille. You also then know that uh, Weinard, the drug addicted, knife throwing frog, also owes him money. <laughs> Oh yeah, he's he's the worst drug user. The frog guy is actually one of my favorite characters, like which I'll go into later. But I love that storyline. Um, Trevor is the tonal shift, though. The mo like like up yeah. until that point, you could think it is just another kids movie about puppets, you know, like some sort of like crazy kids film. But then the moment he steps in and insults her, like that's yeah. the moment you go right. This is a. But every time you see him, it just gets worse and worse and worse. <laughs> like he's dealing drugs. He's into pornography. He's just like the worst of society. Yeah. He's a Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> 
I at this point was like that. I, I was a page and a half in, and I was ready to throw in the towel with trying to keep tabs on all the characters. But I persevered. <laughs> well done. I'm glad you did. <laughs> Robert is rehearsing, talking to Lucille, and asking her out at this point, and this leads to one of the film's most spectacular moments, in my opinion. He's having, oh, yeah. a, having, a, having a kind of sideline conversation with Arthur, the stage manager, about what he's going to do to kind of woo her, and uh, the outcome of this is absolutely spectacular. <laughs> You mean the fact that he settles on a flamenco-inspired uh, kind of love song? Yeah. And, and built it out. Yeah. Right? He's, like, like, he really, he's got like a deep set can, of vibes he can, he can sing. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah, he, he overcomes that shyness in absolute record time doing a, yeah, like a flamenco original composition while dressed as a matador. <laughs> yeah. Little cape. It's, it's so baller. It's, it's pretty incredible. It's a gutsy move. But it works. Because she's like she's into him in record time. I think they have past, they have history. Oh no, they've never met before. But halfway through the film, they're engaged. Yeah, it's it's a very classic romance. It's like I love you, great. I've heard your entire life. Let's get married. Um, yeah, he pretty much sings a Spanish number, and then the next scene, they're engaged. So obviously, it went well. Uh, yeah, um, I, th- I think that there's maybe three and a half minutes of investment in that love story on screen before they get engaged. Yeah, <laughs> and yet you're still feeling for him by the end. And she's the only she's the only female cast member who's voiced by a female yeah yeah, yeah right. everyone else in the movie is a guy yeah female characters but yeah there's only one female voice actress i think another and there's another kind of plot strand and side tangential storyline that's kind of introduced here that i really like it's the one with sid the elephant and sandy the chicken yes <laughs> oh yeah the uh, yeah yeah. it's not mine yeah, it's like <laughs> you've just got to own up to your responsibilities man it's like it's obviously yours i mean when worm dude looks in the pram and yeah. sees its legs and he's just kind of looking looking at the elephant like come on dude like, yeah, like yeah this is incredible so yeah kind of said kind of so he's got like eyes uh, there's an impending paternity suit yeah but i mean he's having a day yeah. like all of his trained fish have been senselessly massacred by a rolling barrel like that was the one question I still had. Like, yeah, the, watching this film. The what weird fish. exactly he trains like that die. I don't like the very fish. Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I don't know what they are. And like at the end, later after they've all died, I've got he's just used them. I've got them written down as gonks. You know those little uh, furry things with the sticky feet and the googly eyes. <laughs> No, <laughs> but I'm keen. Like it sounds good, but also that's the first like full on violence that you see. Yeah, that's the first yeah. kind of really bloody moment where 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 um the bad the bad taste Peter Jackson comes back. Yeah, real quick. And yeah. Trevor just like eats, yeah. cannibalizes this this murdered corpse. I wouldn't be surprised if Trevor's head went on the rat monkey in Brain Dead. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they just carried him over. Oh yeah, I was thinking that there was certainly a similarity looks wise between Trevor and the Sumatran rat monkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be there. There was like a nod to his earlier film, just making it look like Trevor. Yeah. Anyway, the evidence is compelling that Sid is the father of this baby, um, given the, yes. the fact that it, that it has a trunk. But then yeah. we, we move on to see exactly the impact that this relationship between Bletch, this kind of love triangle between Bletch and Samantha and Heidi's having on Heidi, because she's really struggling with her weight and she's comfort eating in a scene which is horrible and also made that little bit nicer because there's a really friendly looking owl in it that's later oh is that later that's later yeah apologies much but no uh this is when yeah you kind of see her comfort eating but also you get this kind of sepia toned walk, walk down memory lane to when she was kind of singing in bars <laughs> yeah. I, and uh, she oh, yeah. meets Bletch for the first time i think th- this is fucking brilliant this sequence i think yeah 
whole Casablanca sequence is incredible. It feels like airplane as well. Like when they, when they have the flashback, how they met in that, and it's at the bar. Or they turn into the disco. Yeah. Oh yeah, with a big dance number. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So she um, she meets Flash. Uh, she meets Bletch in flashback when she's sixteen. He was an aspiring producer at this time. Yeah. So to the golf course next, and to um, <laughs> to, to to in my opinion, one of the more terrible, prob- one of the more problematic st- uh, stereotypes in here, Cedric the Scottish Ward uh, Warthog. Is he a warthog or is he a, a rhino? He's cre- credited as a warthog. So he's somewhere between Bebop and Rocksteady. I was about to say I got Mad Turtle vibes off him watching this again. He definitely feels like a Power Ranger bad guy. <laughs> like he should show up and get made giant size. Make my fireworks. monsters grow. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, Cedric, a bad guy, drug dealer, and cheats at golf. Well, I yeah. Yeah. bit of a Trump. I was going to say apparently Donald Trump's a world, like a world-renowned golf cheat. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Are we surprised? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting to, uh, uh, he's got that total fat bastard voice as well Cedric like yeah I love his spiked club like feels very young ones like <laughs> Vivian we get a very brief reintroduction to uh, Harry the Hare at this point and it's a trope in cinema that I'm getting extremely tired of it's the uh, puppet rabbit three way sequence feels a little bit old hat at this point <laughs> it's um, I think it's just done it's been done to death it has been done to death you know what I was like oh god if I had a pound every time I had to choke down one of these scenes honest to god and he has to keep cutting them out of every film he makes <laughs> putting it in Lord of the Rings everything in the studio is like no no we can't yeah. we can't keep doing this yeah yeah yeah, uh, you're, you're quite right, Mitch. Uh, Harry's fucking two rather attractive female rabbits here, and uh, fascinating to know what your other, metric is for that. Yeah. Also, the only other topless animals, topless female animals in the film, I believe, with the exception of Wobbit's partner at some point, but she doesn't seem to have fake puppet breasts. True, you do see uh, you do see Samantha's nipple during the the early sex scene where she's been plowed oh, by yeah. Wish. I was uh, worried there. <laughs> I'm sure I heard uh, Harry the Hare use the word bunny lingus here. <laughs> Aye, clear as day. Clear as day. Uh, who, what's the name of the guy, the little guy with the big nose that's hanging about here and he's just drooling this really jizzy drool out of his mouth? Is that the guy that ends up being blackmailed into the porn layer? Yeah, and then he, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's Dennis. Yeah, his face gets dissolved off yeah, snot when he snots yeah, borax. Yeah. 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 <laughs> He's a, he's a disgusting character. <laughs> yeah, in a, in, a, in a film that is teeming it with disgusting characters. Yeah, he's actually, he's actually pretty wrong. Um, it's everyone in the entertainment industry. <laughs> <It's terrible>. <laughs> <laughs> um, Robert's having a moment of uh, quiet contemplation at this point and uh, wanders into no man's land in a kind of back alley scene of cow and cockroach BDSM containing weird animal proportions for the sex scenes in this. <laughs> oh the others are huge <laughs> and they're pierced I have a massive question about this scene what I want to know more about what, what lives under this the, you know the theatre they've got this oh, giant this giant creature. swamp monster <laughs> like thing they throw the dead roach to in the pit yes like <laughs> What I want to know more because about is that. that the one that comes back later as the big boss or it's no, a, that's a different thing. Yeah. They're just like I want to know more about that. What's going on there? Like it's great. Like very, don't open that trap door. Yeah, it's very trap. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Now you've said it. Obviously, that's a great question. See, at this point. Um, on first watch, when we ended, you realise that you're watching a kind of a BDSM scene between a cow and a cockroach. The cockroach dies and gets thrown into an unidentified monster living under the theatre. I was like, "Yep, what's next?" 
yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, that's where we're going. It's, it's like, yep, I'm quite happy to accept that at face value. Where do we go from here? <laughs> yeah, and then you're pretty much sucked in. Like, anything can happen. So where it goes, you're like, sure, of course. It, is. it, escalates. <laughs> it escalates quickly. Yeah. So yeah. you're going to do that? Great. I was really worried about the cow because this is a pretty rough BDSM scene that's been filmed here and her others are bound extremely tightly. Well, she is a professional. I mean, like yeah. she's, you know, she, she knows what she's doing. Like she's not like, you know, you know, they all, they all are seasoned professionals. Also, Andy, I don't know if you saw it in the credits, but no animals were harmed in the making of this film. You're good. No. It's hard to say, but I, I view this film not as puppets. I think you have to to be truly invested. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like <laughs> <laughs> we head back to uh, Weinard. Why is it Weinard the frog? At this point, hang on. Before you move on, oh, okay. I, I just want to touch on the fact that Robert, because he's such a little do-gooder, overreacts to the scene in front of him here and attacks the cockroach, which ruins Trevor's shot, thereby incurring Trevor's wrath. But which is fine. But uh, after this, uh, Trevor decides that this scene's ran its course and it's time for the blowjob scene in which Trevor <laughs> in which Trevor calls for a character that we never see, sadly, called the Masked Masochist. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was the Roach. <laughs> I think that's a, Who at this point has been sad upon. I'm pretty sure he was the Masked Masochist. <laughs> that's a moment of real restraint in this film to not actually introduce the Masked Masochist in full. <laughs> I was very interested in seeing how that was going to shake out. <laughs> it ended up on the cutting room floor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But... Yeah, Winner the Frog next. Um, he is <laughs> a drug addict, knife throwing frog. Just want to say it again. Kills his assistant yeah. here. Um, that that is a short straw job. He's got the Jake shakes, and it's making his job as a, <laughs> as a knife thrower quite difficult. Yeah, I think that this death is spectacular. <laughs> Robert kind of gets uh, railroaded into being the replacement for the assistant because of how he behaves in the next scene, and I think that this scene is once again also absolutely hilarious. What you mean, his pedantic speech about being a flag bearer? Yeah. In 17th century castles or something? Yeah, <laughs> but the historical accuracy, well, um, Barry the Bulldog's uh, singing of, like this kind of pyrotechnics-heavy battle anthem. <laughs> Who also has pipes, like Barry, even though being into some minor crimes, which he should really reconsider at this stage in his life. Has a fantastic set of pipes. Oh yeah, oh, oh, I can I'll, fucking sing. I'll give it to Belch. Like, like <laughs> the dude could put together a solid cast. Like he's he's, he's really knocked this one they're out just, of the park. It's they're like, just the worst people behind the. Yeah, they're just horrible people. Like, <laughs> but it is rehearsal, and they've got twelve hours until they have to get on air. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was going to say that Bletch can obviously put together a cast of people who play at their strengths, but we did just see um, someone be killed by a drug-addicted knife thrower, so maybe not on, not on 100% hit rate. <laughs> to be fair, this was not their best night. No, This was the worst night. <laughs> they've, they've done better shows than this. Um, I also, uh, we kind of only glossed over him at the start, but the, reason, the, kind of, the decision for Robert to end up being the knife thrower's assistant, I believe, is taken by one of my favourite kind of unsung heroes of the piece, or it certainly is for quite a lot of it, um, Sebastian the Fox, who seems to be directing, or... Yes. Yeah, yeah he's he's a director. He reminds me a little bit of Sir Didymus from Labyrinth. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, for, for me, he's Michael... Like, they pulled Michael Douglas out of a chorus line. Like, for me, that's kind of where this character <laughs> comes from, that that music 
musical producer who just sits in the middle of the room smoking and it's just stop, yeah. like <laughs> stop, do it again, like and it turns off his lamp and goes back to chain smoking while they dance for him, like. I love this character. <laughs> yeah, the kind of person where no one, no matter how strong they are, can quite fulfill his vision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's such a megalomaniac. <laughs> I also, I would also actually like a human sized version of his suit. With oh, yeah. The purple waistcoat and the, the spats. Like, Fox is styling and I want <laughs> some of that. Like, his suit is off the chain. I want a human size. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a strong look. It's a, it's a good look. Harry the Rabbit at this point is very ill. Uh, we find out has very abruptly become very ill. Yeah, uh, with, with with the big one. <laughs> yeah, um, the big one. Very much seems like, without saying it, that uh, Harry has contracted AIDS due to his dubious lifestyle, as we've already seen. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think it's like at this stage, after everything that's happened before, it's sort of Peter Jackson went, "Yeah, I'll just attack everything." <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, she'll do AIDS. <laughs> but I guess I guess also I guess I guess I guess also because he was riffing on all of the big narratives, and mm. I guess at that time that wasn't a lot of films. Like, like oh, it's nineteen eighty nine. They would have made it in nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, because yeah. the attitude around that stuff was like those those storylines played out a lot in those films. Yeah, it was like, sort of yeah. like when you go back and watch Eddie Murphy's Raw, you're like, no, 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 not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I did. I did think it interesting the way they just kind of refer to it as the big one in this. Yeah. Like the like, and I, I guess part of the joke because it's a miss. It's a it's a it's like they're misguiding on what it is, but still like the impression that it gives or what it's implying. I think it was just because yeah, it was, it was big in entertainment stories at the time. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think yeah, it's one of those things where like it kind of it maybe it looks a little kind of weird out of context, but obviously yeah, it was like a hot button issue kind of all over the Western world at the time, wasn't it? Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 His doctor's also a, a pretty bumbling albatross. Yeah. <laughs> like, now that maybe possible questionable stereotype. They're like, yeah, yeah. And just kind of calls in, like, like oh, this is the second time around, like the split screen call. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Head, Like, it looks fantastic. Yeah. His downfall, though, has been documented by Buzz. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Buzz the Fly. I quite liked Buzz the Fly when we first meet him. At that point, he just kind of seems like kind of wisecracking. And it's not, I don't I don't think when you meet him, it's even necessarily alluded to that he's a journalist. I think he just appears. But um, uh, yeah. he's, a, he's a fucking nasty guy. Yeah, well, he's he's saying, but he's such a paparazzi. He yeah. is basically like, he's just that stereotype of mm-hmm. like sucking on shit and yeah, kind of like Danny, whatever dirt he can grab. Danny DeVito's character from LA Confidential. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally yeah. on the QP, hush, hush. Yeah. yeah. And that's sort of the thing. It feels like it should be a 1930s film, but it's somehow set in the 80s. Yeah. I got the scoops. And yeah. like, oh, all right. But also with puppets and just like the worst kind of people. Yeah. Particularly how gross the fly is in the toilet sequence. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. But he is it like like he just uh, he just you, you, you like I just love that Peter Jackson just keeps upping the level of where he can take the crows out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the point where he has a fly puppet eating shit with a spoon in a toilet and commenting on how delicious yeah. the, the how delicious yeah. the carrots are within. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. That's fucking rotten. Get a little bit of an insight into why uh, Wine of the Frogs ended up the way he is here um, with a flashback that um, I'm going to talk more about the very effective Deer Hunter homage in here rather than literally anything else that happens in this flashback. Yeah, I, this this whole sequence is, is one of my favorite scenes of the film. Like it's, it's aged horribly for obvious reasons we're going to get into. But just the production value on the combat sequences and just like the world, like the Vietnam 
more recreation. I think he was just at this stage, he was just going like, fuck it. Like if, if we don't have that much money, fuck it. Let's just go make deer hunter with puppets and it'll be fun with my friends. Yeah. And then put it into the movie. It was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. That's a flashback. <laughs> Anyone triggered by uh, extreme racial stereotypes uh, should avoid this scene because uh, we, we do see tragically that Weinard and his unit are captured by, I want to say Viet Cong, but uh, I think... But not only that, it's like it's like the one like African-American black frog dies first as well. Sure. It's like, it's like oh my God. <laughs> like... There are just so many stereotypes in it, but yeah, it has not aged very well. No, I would just briefly speak in defense, though, of the one sequence, for the dialogue alone at least, but when the two members of of the Viet Cats, I guess I will call them, uh, are having the discourse about socialism and about oh, like, yeah. the place of personal enterprise <laughs> in the home it's all right if it's sanctioned by the party <laughs> like just that short section of that dialogue just is hilarious still even though the context of this in the yeah. city is yeah. unfortunately aged very horribly like it's still it's still funny as fuck i guess just like <laughs> them going to that joke while they're eating yeah, essentially yeah. what is supposed to be a human leg like but super fucked up so yeah I was saying to Mitch, obviously it's a, a very overblown racial stereotype, but I was struggling to see how when you're kind of key performers, if you like, are puppets, how you how else you would kind of get that across, especially when they're at, like anthropomorphized animals. Um, yeah, and it's a, it's, it's a weird kind of like throwaway to like animation in those days when yeah. they are just kind of using that. But I don't think like they could have done any other language or not tried accents with everyone, but. It's like it's it's there and it's forever now. Because <laughs> so, Peter Jackson said, like you know, pain is temporary. Film is forever. So this is it's this. Like I, I, like like as, as, as bad as Rob's eyes, I would still tell people to go watch this movie. Like yeah. there's still so many other great things in it that have aged well, I think, and like and like some of the fun bits of the storytelling. But yeah, this section's hard because. Like the actual emotional storyline of why the frog got so messed up, especially the roulette game, is just done so fantastically. And then when he escapes and leaves his buddy to die, it's like, no, come back. But then he became a heroin addict working at yeah, the theater. And he gets addicted to heroin. Like, he's it's just, just like, really, it's really, he's a knife thrower now. So, yeah. like, somewhere between Vietnam, he learned knife throwing and addiction to opioids. Like, yeah. I like the tone's incredibly over the top, but I still feel for the frog. So, okay. Heavy times. Yeah. Some people lived it. Yeah. Uh, I love that all the characters who in some way are involved around drugs or uh, they're living a particularly hedonistic lifestyle have got like uh, veins drawn onto their eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 How gross the frog's eyes look, especially when you're doing the knife throwing, they have glazed over. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. Look. I think they've done particularly well. Like he looks super fucked up. <laughs> I want to talk about the bit after this where we get a, a snippet of uh, Trevor's next masterpiece involving Dennis <laughs> I think this is absolutely foul yeah uh, this is deeply troubling stuff Dennis having sex using his nose it's it's ridiculous it's so fucking terrible yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> it's so prehensile it's, it's, like, it is it is sort of like the the film is so juvenile but like 
bad taste was so juvenile as well. I and mean, it was yeah, just it, all so. the humor is super, super juvenile all the way throughout it. I, I, I would, I would just like to highlight in this section, the bit that I, I paused and went back a couple of times that <laughs> like, it is just like when he asked the question about whether or not people are still going to like a new catalog and he holds up his last bestseller and it's just called they bone people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this joke. People will buy any old <laughs> shit. You make kissing and it's got like the 18 thing up the top and this kind of like yeah. Polish movie poster artwork. Right. Yeah. Where they were shooting tasteful, artful porn. <laughs> back in like uh, her cow heydays and now like it's just getting a bit desperate you know, just bay bone people I just think it was fantastic we actually had to make that prop I didn't spot that that's amazing that's so good but yeah um, Bletch is looking for a new uh, adult industry ingenue and Trevor has designs on Lucille yeah because big others are out so sadly Daisy the cow uh, her career is coming to a crashing end I think um, I th- yeah I think I think that she now has like this 15, uh, 15 year career gap before she comes back as a kilf what's the oh, is that a cow I'd like to yeah. fuck <laughs> uh, if you thought you were finished with racist puppets you are wrong because here comes an Indian swanny oh, oh my god I know It's and he's the only human character in it and it's like we can't find an anthropomorphized kind of like animal for for India we'll just we'll just make a, a guru guy floating this yeah this one was weird and did stand out to me it's like why is this the only human puppet because yeah. even in that behind the scenes special that's online yeah. they when they're listing it's like made up of hundreds of animals and one human like yeah like, <laughs> like, okay. like what like surely there was an animal, like <laughs> at least. Like, um, but yeah, it is. It is a weird note, and pretty much just set up to do that particular joke that they do. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, but he very quickly gets his head stuck up his own ass and then rolls away. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So he's gone as soon as he arrives, although you do get glimpsed. <laughs> yeah, they breeze just like they, they, do back, they just, bring him back a little bit at the end. Yeah, just to get shot. But like, they just breeze right past it. Like, and then just onto the next thing, back on the next story. He just needed line. one more character. Just one more character for the nine <laughs> endings. <laughs> yeah, he, he just rolls away and that's pretty much the last time until he gets shot to ribbons later oh, this right. bit Mitch is the, my, my favourite the little German owl that runs the cake shop he's my favourite character yeah I actually have him <laughs> I have my notes uh, Heidi demolishes a plate of three samples in a bakery run by a magnificent owl right <laughs> <laughs> he's a beautiful puppet he's a Look at him. <laughs> he's one that- they had money for the puppet, but not the set. The set is just like, yeah, just anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> just like... <laughs> I, I I do kind of like that they they make her like her eating habit essentially her like her drug habit or her alcoholism but yeah, like yeah. just done with eating chocolate but essentially like that's her going on like a coke bender and not being able to perform I just yeah. kind of like yeah. weird way to do that particular storyline considering they've already got so many other animals on like actual heroin yeah <laughs> or actual cocaine yeah straight at the back of this we now we it's been established uh, the full extent of uh, Harry's condition he has twelve hours to live. Um, <laughs> See, um, the scene where we kind of know this, and he, and I mean, like, as he kind of deteriorates, Harry's actual like visage looks fucking horrible, very much up my street. <laughs> and and see, but see when see when he's being like, uh, kind of like he's kind of at death's door, and he's being kind of berated by uh, Buzz. It's fucking horrible to watch, genuinely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he gets really Ill real quick. Yeah, yeah, um, and he, yeah, they never shy away from making anything in this film disgusting like it gets real bad real quick yeah and it has and it has this weird visceral nature to it because they're puppets because they feel so real you know yeah. because it's all practical so it's just the fact that he makes it feel so gross you can just kind of it just kind of comes off the screen at you right uh, oh yeah yeah 
the whole thing with that that whole that whole sequence and, and large amounts of this film feel like they're coated in like a thin layer or something that if you yes. touched it would be sticky. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like exactly. You kind of feel like that watching it. Oh, well, it's kind of, it's kind, of, kind of the same with Brain Dead as well. I really like that we get a glimpse of Buzz in his dark room here, developing salacious photos of Harry, but his dark room is located in a toilet system. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. See, just see, just as a choice and as a detail, I just love that that got included. I think that is so so funny. To the two scale, it's like uh, chemical equipment. Yeah, like, the tiny rope with the tiny. Yeah, it's just it's. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, no, it's inspired. Yeah. It's inspired. So, uh, Robert and Lucille, let like me say their love story is moving at a clip. We don't even see the engagement. We just like it's happened in a kind of like <laughs> yeah. scene missing thing where it's just like the next time you see them, it's like, I'm so happy we decided to get engaged. <laughs> It's like, oh, sweet, I'm caught up now. Thank you. I prefer it like that. <laughs> I think in the context. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We don't need eight seasons of the sitcom for them to get back together. Like, like, yeah, yeah, done. Done. Yeah. Yeah. Get it out of the way. Move on to the next thing, which next is... Storyline. Next animal. Which is the drug deal, the, or the start <laughs> of the kind of drug deal where um, Bletch and Cedric have... Well, certainly Bletch has bought this, uh, what he believes is cocaine from Cedric and his gang. But uh, poor Dennis here with his uh, massive... No, is Dennis split his Dennis, is he like an anteater or an aardvark? I'm, I'm thinking aardvark. It's aardvark I had down. Right. An anteater. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, yeah. Snort, he snorts a rather meaty line of what <laughs> turns out to be borax and it uh, dissolves his face pretty much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It melts his snout in half. Well, you didn't think that snout, the snout could get grosser compared to what you saw it do before, but no, no. It's, but he also gets his comeuppance. He, he, was, a, he was a pervert. It, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. He was a pervert, but he was a, a good pervert. He wasn't like a... Like a... <laughs> <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't like a... a you, only watch, you only watch people have sex. And sniff their underwear. Yeah. Like, just stole underwear. And he's like, all right. He's all right. Listen, guys, yeah. can, can we stop kink shaming Dennis? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, because, because um, we what we needed for the third act was um, a kind of uh, vengeance arc against Cedric the Warthog. Oh. We didn't already have enough loose ends to tie up. Um, so, yeah, Robert and Lucille got engaged. Um, obviously, that happened very quickly. What also happened in record time was uh, the adversity that they would have to go through to then get back together. Um, this sequence is, again, pretty horrible. Trevor drugs and attempts to rape Lucille, and uh, Robert intervenes completely misreads the situation and um is obviously just kind of thinks she's cheating on him he's outraged he's gone what it's just like you couldn't even ask her the question you couldn't even believe her right. <laughs> yeah 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 i i, I think that the 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 ross geller comparison you're making here is a legitimate one yeah it's worth mentioning <laughs> at this point that these are for anyone who's forgotten that's listening these are puppets these are not people. Uh, I know we're referring to them very much as people, but they are puppets. It feels real. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We see the consequences of people's addictions in this film a lot. And yeah. uh, Heidi uh, Heidi doesn't get off the hook here. Um, we see her kind of uh, rehearsing. Mangles the ballad uh, Garden of Love, I believe it's Garden of Love, that she's singing at this point. Yeah, the main, main song of the film, I think it's supposed to be sold as like the big act. The, yeah, the, the main music number. Yeah, like yeah, like this is to meet the feebles what shallow is to a star is born. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this does not go well. She destroys a large part of the stage um, and starts an electrical fire. Uh, it is three hours till stage time at this point. Wow, the, sh- the show's collapsing around our ears, Mitch. Um, yeah, the way that this actually plays out is great, though. Like, in terms of the actual destruction that you see, I think it's really cool. Yeah. 
I think that's something that gets it that gets right quite a lot of the time. See the kind of like the the big spectacle moments. I think it pulls off really well from like like production wise. Yeah, but that that is very much like his his style. Like you see that throughout like his career, even in Lord of the Rings and as it went forward, it is very much the big big spectacle sort of things that are done quite well. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think um, Meet the Feebles has half like has any business been half as good as it is. <laughs> I mean, obviously, like you've got your, you've got Muppet films, but they've got massive amounts of money behind them. Comparatively, yes. Meet the Feebles does not. I think it was seven hundred thousand dollars, yeah. Australian or New Zealand. At that time, roughly the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Seven hundred and fifty thousand, I think, was the total budget. Yeah, and and they kind of they went over budget they went over schedule they kind of ended up kind of shooting all themselves no one really believed in it and it was just this weird weird kind of thing together that kind of like lives on its own but um yeah the, the, the quality and the weight of some of the production stuff they pull off is just incredible for the the money that they spend yeah um it's like when alex stuff actually gets destroyed things actually break apart it mm. feels it's like, not all blue screen and CG. yeah it's not legit yeah, yeah it's, it's really tactile we kind of the film kind of starts kind of threatening to pull together its strands at this point <laughs> in that Heidi is kind of ref, uh, um, refusing to perform originally uh, is kind of talked around well I say talked around persuaded by uh, Bletch yeah but Sebastian also at this point tells us that the network is uh, panicking the show is ostensibly off at this point but also while we're talking about um, huge sequences the uh, drug storyline is uh, resolved in fine style this is fucking amazing oh, this sequence I wanted to talk about this because I actually want a movie about this gang this <laughs> Mr. Big's gang like <laughs> like it's you know, like it's like a led by a whale and it has a giant spider and like this giant warthog Benjamin and an army of Australian crab spiders. Like, I, I want more of that. What the hell's going on there? There's some fantastic <laughs> stories to but be. It out. was meant to be a TV series. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it became a weird movie. This, yeah, this sequence, this sequence is incredible. Um, and the, the, model, the model and puppet stuff they did for it to pull it off is just insane. Those, I mean, right away, when you see those kind of goons that are the crabs, their costumes, <laughs> their costumes yeah. are really complicated. Like, there's a lot of, like, layers and kind of plates. Moving and parts, yeah. yeah. He's using forced perspective as well. Like, he, you know, he's kind of, like, playing with tiny little miniatures and making it feel like he has a bigger set than what he had because they had no money. And that's yeah. sort of, like, a big love of watching this is kind of like, oh, my God, they did that with almost yeah. nothing. Yeah, like the, the model car and then the giant spider and then you know, obviously Mr. Big when he shows up. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, because what the film does and what it succeeds in is making you think that this is an, an, an kind of enormous action sequence down by the docks, like in warehouses yeah. and stuff, when uh, really yeah. the, the reality of that is far, far smaller. Yeah, yeah, it's just a, a model car yeah. and a bunch of boxes in a black room with smoke. Yeah, and <laughs> it's like it's just fantastic. It's, it's so like wow, cool. you did so much. I think like um, it would have been impressive enough had it just been kind of like the gang kind of being dis- being kind of dispatched by uh, yeah. Barry and whoever else went to do it. But then um, also like you said, got the giant spider who I think is off in a really cool way because it's kind of on top of the car. Yeah, mm. yeah, and it kind of gets driven face first into like a. Uh, like a hanging pile of bricks or something. Yeah, it gets driven first into something. Yeah, and uh, and then yeah, straight into like an extremely brief and very efficient encounter with a giant sea monster. So 
Yeah. 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 Here's the big boss. Uh, all right, let's just drive through your mouth. Okay, yeah. you come out the other side. Goodbye, that's you done. done. And storyline completed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, tra- Travel's an absolute badass here as well. Yeah, like, yeah, hate him. But, like, dude, dude handles his shit. Also, I just um, I just want, I love the, the seeing his brownie points for me for just those really fast shots of the Scottish pig dude running. <laughs> like, they, 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 like just you just watch them they're so funny the guy who's in that suit is really giving it like I literally like he chases after the car after it drives past him but those shots of him running just get me every time like it's just so intense and sped up and then when he finally gets to the fight he just instantly dies <laughs> he and, and that's it we don't hear from that character again next animal it's the same yeah. as when you see uh, earlier on when Heidi's trying to kind of when she's out jogging and she's just down like running along the side of the river yeah yeah like, that's sort of like that's the gorilla filmmaking of like just get out and run and we'll just follow you yeah like probably like <laughs> in the side of a van and just drive along the side of a foreshore yeah um i i do think that anytime anybody in a suit in this film has to move with any kind of urgency it's just instantly and endlessly fucking hilarious like any like anytime <laughs> yeah, you yeah. have to run it's an absolute riot it's my favorite thing. <laughs> Elsewhere, we got a quick shot, just like quick shot of Harry, who is just getting incrementally more gross. And then it's showtime. Show is back on because Heidi's back in. Yay! Um, <laughs> the show seems to be going pretty well. Arthur's what? got a top hat on. Arthur's got a top hat on. <laughs> yeah. Bear in mind, he's a worm. Yeah, I kind of really like the cigar scene with him and Bletch. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like, like if they finish the show, they, these guys have obviously known, you know, if there was a prequel movie, I'm sure that the, the, the worm and the walrus met at a much earlier stage. Like it was like a Breaking show, Bad you know, scenario like, of destroying <laughs> this worm. How can, how can I help you today, sir? I want to put on a show, see? Yeah. Um, like, like but, Walrus John Houston wants yeah. to put on the show. But I just, yeah, I just kind of like so simply between a puppet worm and a puppet walrus, you get to see in that kind of shows that this is a big night for these two characters. They have a history and they have this victory cigar. Like you kind of forget he's a bad guy. It's almost a very Boardwalk Empire kind of moment. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, just, it really resonated with me rewatching it this time. Yeah, that is really cool. That is really cool. Get me the best stage manager you can find. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Buzz's story is out. Buzz's story is in the it's it's in public knowledge now, and uh, Bletch is furious. Uh, <laughs> Bletch also catches and kills him, which is brilliant. Very satisfying end to the Flyers character's journey. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> Less satisfying is is then uh, the encounter he has with Heidi after this. Oh, the hippo nipples. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty brutal. Yeah, uh, she's sacked on the spot when she served her purpose as well. It's awful. Yeah. He's basically just taking advantage of of this this woman he's found and, and had like saw some value in her and he's just picking them up and throwing them out. Like everyone in this has the worst life and the worst background. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and I like that he put this scene immediately after the balcony scene as well, because he just had this one nice moment with Bletch and kind of after the war fight, you, you're kind of with this character in a way, like even though he's the bad guy, you, you know, it's just kind of like he won that battle he has that moment, but then he does this like, Oh yeah, this guy's the bad guy. Aye. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's all done in like the most humiliating way possible as well. Oh yeah, it's very domestic abuse and um, yeah. then it followed. It's followed by that extremely depressing scene of naked Heidi kind of being tormented by yeah. visions. Yeah, like her like running around the hallway. Yeah, it's super dark. It's it's really it's it's really dark. Yeah, and it is like it, like the worst is like the worst character. Bletch is yeah. absolutely yeah. the yeah. worst person. 
Yeah, yeah, but like show like how like psychologically fraught this character is. And again, we are talking about an anthropomorphic hippo. Yes. Like, <laughs> cannot stress that enough. It, yeah. it, like, we haven't watched this incredibly emotionally raw scene of an anthropomorphic hippo. Played by one of the writers. Played by one of the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right though, Mitch, to say that Heidi has been fired and she will be replaced by her arch nemesis. Samantha the cat. It's, it's, it's a cruel, it's a cruel, cruel business. It is, but it's showtime now. Uh, yeah, um, well, kind of for Harry. Um, <laughs> he, he, he tries to perform. His cat opens as we saw it do so majestically at the opening sequence. He kind of like lurches over the side of it and vomits exorcist style all over the Jamaican frog in his organ. <laughs> yes. Uh. Things had been going well with the show up until this point, and that's why Bletch was so arrogant, because the, they'd signed the deal, like the TV show was going to get syndicated, it was all going ahead, and then when this happens with our rabbit friend, it, it all starts to go downhill very quickly. Yeah, yeah, this, this is a, it's a, it's a major, it's a, it's a very, very steep and very abrupt downward spike. <laughs> and uh, I think it's fair to say a lot of our characters are plummeting to the real depths here, because we join Heidi as she attempts to commit suicide with a machine gun? No, it's actually she tries to hang herself first. Oh, of course, fuck, of course she does. Yes, yes of course. I wish it doesn't pan out. No. <laughs> but it is, it's like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> you're going to go into suicide now as well, Peter Jackson? Okay. I know, <laughs> I know. She, she bungees because bungee is a, is a full-on New Zealand thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, this uh, she has um, a kind of second attempt in a minute, um, which uh, we can get to because it's obviously kind of the main jump-off point for the chaos that's about to ensue. Um, I want to uh, shout out to Sebastian the Fox here. MVP improvises, uh, finally gets his musical number into the show. Uh, the vaguely homophobic song about sodomy. Vaguely is uh, vaguely is you know oh. putting it lightly. Yeah. So so so, so rewatching this, like, so the first moment was the was the, the 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 Vietnam sequence, which I think is incredible, but has this unfortunate context behind it now because something in it. This closing sequence, this musical number, is the other one because the, the musical number is quite offensive now by today's standards. Uh, we had one note joke for the character, but then the intercut mass shooting sequence it's that follows like two said musical number is genius in a lot of ways. Like it's it's really brutal and full on, and not being able to hear what's going on with the machine gun is it's like an incredible piece of cinema. But the it's so weird to watch it now because of this fucking song. It's so strange. Yeah, no, that's fair. I noticed that a lot of the puppets that are kind of involved in it, and uh, certainly uh, Sebastian himself, he's thrusting away. He keeps shouting the word <laughs> bum. But <laughs> well, there's this rain of what, <laughs> there's like a rain of what looked like inflated condoms falling around them. Yeah, yeah. there's condom balloons everywhere. The two giant penis eyes next to him, like they just they go in as deep as they go in and everything else. And I guess on the gay joke, but yeah. But yeah. then Andy gets his head out of his ass. But so. yeah, well, yeah, but yeah. Good news, the Indian stereotype gets his head out of his ass, but then he's shot. No, no, he gets impaled. By, That's right by his own. Set of the, the, the nail spikes. so yeah, even his death is vaguely racist, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, you just mentioned there um, about arena gunfire. So uh, Heidi is kind of on standby, having another go at killing herself. The way that this one is, is again something that I think plays out in a very satisfying way. Go on. So um, Samantha comes in and she's kind of like, she spots, she kind of comes in as Lucille's kind of sitting with uh, 
Like she was, she like she was like she was gonna shoot herself, but she was gonna make sure it was like an automatic. Uh, yeah, it was like a machine gun. Yeah, it's like one of those machines. Yeah, you're getting like in the, attached to the back of a jeep. Yeah, it was. Um, it's the Rambo gun. Yeah, it's totally the Rambo, Rambo gun. gun. Like it's just you imagine John Rambo holding his big ass machine gun. It's the Rambo gun. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, and Samantha, um, Samantha kind of like berates her, kind of eggs her on to do it, and at that point she just uh, spins the gun 180 and uh, shoots Samantha a shit. And uh, yeah, this uh, this triggers what I an ending I was not prepared for on first watch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so Heidi uh, rampages. Yeah, but there's there's incidental deaths I think that are important and worthy of mention. Like Weinard accidentally impales himself in the head with one of his throwing daggers. Yeah, which is sad. But the majority of them get shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. It's a message. Harry finds out that he's not actually dying of AIDS. In fact, but he has like a twenty four hour bug thing. And uh, he yeah. is excited and he's happy and he runs back out to get back into the show and is also <laughs> unceremoniously gunned down in a hail of machine gun fire. <laughs> like, like, like fucking Robocop. He just explodes yeah. with squids. And like, yeah, all of the, like, all of the puppet deaths are full on. Any amount of effort that they put into building all of those things just as much went into destroying them because yeah. as they come apart, it's just arms fly off it, it, it does feel like robocop that's a fantastic yeah, yeah, yeah. reference like it does feel that visceral it's a real gun like a like, real prop gun the weight to it is incredible yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely it's awesome i think also a great um a great conclusion to uh sid the elephant story where he takes a bullet on both <laughs> knees but um does so in service of protecting his uh the child that may or may not be his probably is his credited as a seymour the ella chicken <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, so yeah, like so, so Sid uh, kind of he, um, he survives the massacre, but also is kind of just obviously resolved to raise this child as his own uh, because I'm pretty sure that at this point his uh, his ex partner has also been shot. Sandy gets shot to pieces. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah she gets shot to pieces, but he, he's looking after the baby while the baby gets covered in the blood of the chicken. Yeah, it's like oh my god, <laughs> what's going on? A headless chicken joke. Yeah. but then I love it when Seymour comes to his aid. And says, you're mine, I'll protect you. And the mom still goes, bastard. <laughs> Before he squashes her head, which I just think is fantastic. Like She's still conscious enough to see him, like now that she's dead, acknowledge that the kid's his. It was funny as hell. Um, <laughs> the incidental score here, Mitch, we discussed actually sounds a little bit like It's a Sin by the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah, like the really dramatic opening of It's a Sin, like right before it kicks in. Um, it really sounds like it's going to jump into It's a Sin by the Pet Shop Boys, which would have been amazing. <laughs> he didn't have the money for it like, yeah. let's be honest yeah. it's that thing with, like, we talked about before Mitch where you just change enough notes that you don't get into trouble <laughs> yeah Bletch gets kind of um, uh, riddled with bullets at this point but Heidi also gets uh, gets shot by Trevor here not fatally but sure. uh, but she's shot uh, stopped by Robert at this point I think of all of the many graphic puppet deaths that we have watched in the last few minutes and indeed in this whole film Trevor's might be the most graphic he is shot to paste by Heidi <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's but he is the worst fucking character and you want him so fucking yeah, dead so they obliterated that yeah that, that, whole, that whole sequence when he kind of comes back at the end with a shotgun and clips it with it and just standing there like it, it felt very Tarantino it's so <laughs> fantastic that one bad guy shows up just at the end but and it was then, still like two three years before yeah. Reservoir Dogs yeah, yeah yeah well yeah, yeah it was like but, still a ballet of blood yeah yeah, yeah it's great uh, very satisfying death 
Um, and great hero moment for little hedgehog dude. The last words that a dying rat would hear is uh, Robert the Hedgehog calling him a rotter. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, to die with those words ringing in your ears must be quite galling. <laughs> <laughs> The dust kind of settles on the chaos here and um, Arthur kind of explains to Heidi that he's going to have to turn her in. Um, Her final request before this happens is to perform Garden of Love one more time. I'm deeply aggrieved about having to hear it again. (laughs) (laughs) But um, he obliges and um, I absolutely love what follows here when you get the um, where are we now kind of things for all the survivors. Just quickly mention Uh, that that Bletch does die as well. He has his head bust mm. open like a melon, also by gunfire. Yep, yep, yep. He, t- he takes he takes one more swing at emotional manipulation with with her and nearly wins, but it it, it doesn't pan out for him. He has a real bad time. Yeah, <laughs> I do love the photos in this like like the where are they now section that follows and like the fucking early taste of um of what he was like, going to do with uh, forgotten silver. Forgotten silver. Yeah, yeah. essentially like just kind of weirdly how real these photos yeah. <laughs> again, <laughs> pop at animals but like the way they're presented is actually fantastic it feels like an old British documentary like even with the fonts and just yeah it's great yeah there's there's they're so good because we find out at this point Sydney the elephant uh, got two new knees and now keeps an orchard and raises Seymour as his own and that's accompanied yeah with a picture of him standing in the middle of the orchard holding it yeah <laughs> yeah like in, kind of, in kind of like vegetable att- attending kind of attire yeah yeah, yeah. like yeah, being a farmer uh, <laughs> like manages to retire uh, and he got an OBE. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, for, for lifetime services to theater. He's doing okay. Yeah, he's done well. He 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 pushed his way through the theater. Uh, he, he cut through it. Yeah, and then Sebastian obviously gave us the book that became the basis for the film. Of course. So, yeah. 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 Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. naturally. And uh, yeah, Heidi uh, only got 10 years for that. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. Lenient. lenient. Well, it's pretty lenient over here. Yeah. Well, it's like, <laughs> in this side of the world, it's like, you know, life is only 20 years. <laughs> you know. That's, yeah, like, that's, that's like about six months for every person she murdered. <laughs> yeah. She's now been rehabbed into the community and now works in a supermarket. So quite the arc. Be nice to people in supermarkets because they might have you know, had, had a massacre in their previous life. I, going, going, going back to the moment where she does sing the final musical number, I do like that final moment between her and, and Worm Dude. Again, kind of that nice scene where he's like, you know, I have to dub you in. And like she knows what he's done, but she's not going to kill him. Like you just get the sense that he was just baller. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like he was just fantastic too for work for everyone loved him. He's a good guy. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like again, puppet worm, but I feel for him. Yeah. Yeah. That you're right. Actually, that moment does deserve a little bit of a mention because it is kind of like it is kind of like there's this kind of mutual respect kind of thing in there. Yeah. And with that, I suppose uh, curtain falls on the feebles. Andy. Yes, much. Any concluding thoughts on this watch? Obviously, you'd seen it before. Yes, I had. I'd seen it before. I own it, like I say, on a rather basic DVD. I, I love Meet the Feebles. It's, I think those first kind of three features from Peter Jackson that everyone knows are such an interesting triad of films. If you look at Bad Taste going into Meet the Feebles and then going into Brain Dead, there's yeah. such a kind of marked leap from the Feebles into Brain Dead. But I don't think it's that Meet the Feebles is any less valuable certainly than, than Bad Taste is. I think it demands to be, to be seen in the same kind of way that Bad Taste does. Um, and it's curious to watch it, to watch a film that's this disinterested in what anyone thinks about it or who it's offending be made by someone who is 
arguably one of the biggest film directors in the world now. It's sort of like in there with like a South Park. Like, you know, if you don't kind of care like what you're throwing out, and as long as there's an interesting story behind it, you can push everything. And it pushes some of the wrong buttons at some times. But yeah. he's also very much starting out. And like South Park, the early seasons were crude as. Oh, yeah. And over time, the writing gets better and better. And over time, he's grown as a filmmaker. And it's it's kind of always interesting to look back at someone's early work yeah. and kind of go like, wow, like I can see the great bits and the bad bits. But, you know, you chip away at those bad bits over time, you know, and you kind of lose them and you become a better filmmaker. And he has. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, after after you left last night, Mitch, my wife and I watched The Frighteners again. And the, the leap even in quality like from Braindead to Frighteners is massive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely huge. Yeah, um, yeah. He was, just, he was just surging through them at that stage. Mm-hmm. It was great. I think, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, like, because, you know, we get to the point, this film's only 20, 30 years old and attitudes have changed so much. Nothing in this film comes from a place of malice. No, like, mm. you know, like it's all you know in, in good spirits and definitely jokes and humors and the way we discuss things have changed. But but there's still so much heart in this film and it's such a unique thing for the time it was made and how early it was made yeah. and how unique it was at the time. I think it's something people should see definitely as a relic. Mitch, let me yeah. ask you then, coming into a man in your in your thirties now, seeing Meet the Feebles for the first time, what did you make of Meet the Feebles? I quite enjoyed it. Right. Um, I think I appreciate some of the more incidental, kind of smart and more technically proficient things it was doing. Now we've had this conversation. Okay. Um, I would say on first watch, there's like a spell in the middle where everything is getting incrementally nastier in so many different ways against so many different backdrops that it becomes a little bit exhausting. Um, but I think that um, a lot of it, I think, is very, very funny. And I think that the way that it ultimately kind of resolves itself is really spectacular and really satisfying and i think mm. that yeah I, I think it gets it gets a lot of stuff really right and i think that there's no denying that there's elements of it that have aged quite poorly but i don't ever think that that's um grounds to kind of like air quotes cancel something i think you should let it inform mm. how you watch it and stuff but um and yeah but like those things are there and you know you just kind of have to choke them down <laughs> but um i think that overall it's like a it's a really interesting film uh, i think it's good I like it. Excellent. So, so you would recommend people watch Meet the Feebles? Uh, not everyone. not for everyone. It's definitely not. But, uh, I think one of the ones that's going to get the 4K re-release, right? Like, like yeah. he's, he's dig- like is the naughty years, as he calls them. Like, he's finally yeah. going back and 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 re-releasing some of those films. Um, I'd actually be keen to see how this film would look with a. 4K re-restore and how well it's aged because so much of it's practical. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, so much got hidden with behind the VHS. Like my VHS copies were the first times I ever saw yeah, that. Yeah, I'd be keen just like because I think it actually might get a greater sense of the detail that's gone into everything. Like some stuff might look cheaper, but some stuff I think you're going to watch and go, "Well, that's you know that still looks pretty sick even by today's standards." Totally. At least just from, from the props end, anyway. You know what I mean? From the production design aspect of the film. Mm-hmm. I would all, I would also very much like Peter Jackson just to go back and do another splatter film. Oh my god! Yeah. I know. Yeah, just getting to get real violent and bloody. It would be pretty good. Yeah. I mean, Brain Dead is still one of my favorite, favorite so zombie films good. ever. It's, yeah, it's, it's well good. done. Yeah. There is no like Shaun of the Dead. You know, it's kind of like you can do like these comedy horror things. It's yeah. just something both him and Sam Raimi were kind of like putting together. And just doing genre flips mid-film. Like yeah. something that we love to play with. Like, like we've got it from Jackson, man. Like even this, like, I was talking before, like when the rat shows up and just how dark the film gets all of a sudden, you know, like he was happy to kind of do that to people. People. Like, just really fuck with their expectations, and I really liked that about his work. Peter Jackson, please make a, 
a splatter film again. You, please. If you could make a hundred million dollar brain dead stab thing, that would make us real happy. Very much real so. Real happy. Very much. Um, and the, good, <laughs> um, the good news is that Peter Jackson is a regular listener and contributor to this show. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure that he'll, he'll get the wheel turned on that front. Oh, I'm sure. I share a birthday with Peter Jackson. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Guys, before we finish up, definitely want to take some time to talk about Top Not Detective. Oh, shoot away. Yeah, I uh, absolutely loved it. I thought it was a total blast and anyway, I got it on uh, I got it on Blu-ray and uh, I sat awesome. down and found my wife to be rather engaged in it which was unusual for her <laughs> do you want to talk a little bit about um, what it's actually about and kind of how it came together basically it's a behind the scenes documentary looking at a 1990s Japanese samurai series that abruptly ended and became a cult hit in Australia and sort of a documentary crew has kind of tracked down all the casts and is doing interviews with them. And we kind of find out that what happened behind the scenes was very dark and troubling. Yeah, a bit, bit different to what people expected. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of, and I kind of look. But it's a comedy with samurais yeah, and, and giant robots. It was real good. <laughs> <laughs> and did, was it actually shot in Japan? Yeah. We, it were, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or like we, 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 Shot the bulk of it over here in Perth, but um, uh, a lot of the wires and the externals, uh, like you can only do in Japan. Like you know, we could go to great lengths to try and make models or matte paintings or yeah. animate stuff, but we just yeah, we knew if we were going to do samurai stuff, we needed to go uh, go to Japan and film there. Um, and also just yeah, all all of the the stuff about um, you know, the the, the company and Sudafu and Tokyo stuff. You just got to do it in Japan and get all the signs and get yeah. all the hustle and just kind of capture that to make it feel legit yeah yeah it's really really clever and really really funny mm -hmm. i absolutely love the um, what are you guys doing next um well we're kind of we're, we're working on stuff within a similar sort of genre uh yeah. it's sort of like i can't say too much about yeah certain things. we've got like two projects that are kind of up in the air one is a throwback to another kind of genre we like and we're just finishing up production on a on a documentary film that we're about to put stuff out uh, out here in australia oh yeah that's the yeah that's the the, the next uh, next red dog film uh yeah we, yeah we're cooking up something now that's definitely in the vein of our love of uh cult cinema <laughs> right. but um yeah, too much yeah we're cooking up cool superb well I'll, I'll definitely be keeping my eye out for what you guys have got coming next because i was I absolutely loved Pop Not Detective. I didn't catch it at Fright Fest. It was an absolute word of mouth uh, smash at Fright Fest. I was there, and people go and people like really, really responded to it there. Oh, thank you so much. That's awesome. We we were really sad we couldn't make it to Fright Fest. Like it sounded like a jam. We we wanted we wanted to come uh, and see that, but we, we we couldn't make it work with everything that was going on. But I definitely want to go back. Yeah, sometime. we'd really love to go. So I mean, it sounds it yeah. sounds like a kind of jam. So thank you so much to everyone who dug it at the festival. Where we've it's 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 had a great festival run. And we really appreciate all the love that the films had and glad that it's resonated with people and now it's out there and people can get yeah. and watch it so that's yeah. a good thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. get yeah. it on blu-ray from the window uh, yeah. if you can i'm actually looking at the blu-ray right now so yeah third window yeah. films you can pick it up just about everywhere and guys if anybody wants to keep up with these projects you're talking very cryptically about where can they <laughs> where can they find you on social media um i am at at a underscore a underscore uh <laughs> underscore <laughs> it's basically a a ron mccann yeah. at 
Yeah. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> we, we, we chose those. I, I, and I, well, you can keep track of the stuff we're up to generally through the top knot. Uh, yeah. Top uh, knot for now. Like, like yeah. the things that we cook it up. Uh, I mean, I, you can come to our personal Facebooks, but, you know, half of it's promotion of what we're doing, half of it's just us yeah. shaking our fists angrily into the depressing mall that is the world at the moment. We're talking about loudly. our kids or yeah, just like doing yeah, shit. It's boring. It's shit. boring. You don't really, you really care. But, you know, we'll, we'll probably put out a taste for press release if, you know, the next thing that's cooking up. But, um, yeah. But we're always happy to chat to people. Yeah. So just to clarify, don't go anywhere near Aaron's Twitter because he doesn't know what don't it is. Go uh, and just... Uh, <laughs> away from my Twitter is what I'm saying. <laughs> my Twitter is fucking complicated. <laughs> Did you pick that handle because it was so memorable? Oh, no, it is memorable. But the thing is, I hate saying the underscores and it just visually looks nice to me. And I never have to give my Twitter handle out to anyone. There's no really clean way to no. score. There isn't a three-syllable word. I'm just like, yeah, it's like, this one, but it, like I, I've always had a weird fucking yeah. email name or something. It's like, <laughs> it looks funny. <laughs> <laughs> guys, thank you so much for taking time to do this. Really yeah, amazing. guys, thank you so much. This has been excellent. No worries. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for having us, guys. Well, that was a blast. <laughs> It's a, it's a weird one but it's one I would say watch yeah I think that um, it's really one of the ones and I've said this a few times now but it's definitely one of the ones where I've kind of come away and kind of looked at it from a slightly different angle now yeah, thinking I mean, about some of the technical things and stuff like with that. the benefit of 24 hours behind you when we finished watching Meet the Fables you seemed decidedly kind of chilly on it yeah I don't know I think that, like I say I think that I kind of came away from it and it's a lot of the, I'm kind of glad that we didn't record yesterday like right after I watched it because I kind of felt like my opinion on it wasn't fully formed and I don't think it is still Right. But I feel like I'm getting there. And no, I think it's interesting. And I, when this, when you said, would you recommend it? I would say yes, but yeah, to certain people. But it's quite a qualified recommendation. Very much so. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fine. But yeah, more of the point. Big thank you to uh, Arne and Dominic, the co-directors of Top Not Detective, joining us for this one. And uh, check out Top Not Detective as well. It's out now everywhere through Third Window Films. You Blue. absolutely should check out Top Not Detective. It's great. Yeah. And uh, I guess that's just about all there is to say for another one. Aye, I suppose. Yeah. However, no rest for the wicked. We will be back on Monday with another mini-sode and uh, all that that entails. We'll be taking a look at your feedback, talking about what we've been watching and, of course, playing another round of Mitch's Pitches as well as letting you know everything you need to know for next week's show. Mitch. Yes. It's normally about this time in the proceedings you would tell me, you would tell the listeners how they would get in touch with us. I can do that. I'm happy to reprise my role. Uh, Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. Twitter, it's Strong Violent PC. And you can also email longer considerations to stronglanguageviolentscenes at gmail.com. We will promise to try to remember that our email inbox exists. Yes, yeah. Uh, and you can listen to us on a multitude of platforms, including Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Acast, TuneIn, and our home at Podbean. And whichever one of those you're choosing, uh, if you're feeling charitable, go and throw us a wee lake. Uh, a lake? A lake. <laughs> A rate, a like, a review, subscription, any of those things. A leak if you like, but I just I don't understand what purpose I don't it want to be thrown in a leak. <laughs> I'm sure some of the listeners would quite like to throw me in a leak occasionally. I have successfully managed to fuck up both the intro and outro to this episode. This well week. done. Well done. You're yeah. good, good work. So we're back Monday. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a chud than live as heroes in a world of food. Goodbye. Wow. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. <laughs>